So good evening on this beautiful, windy evening. It's beautiful to feel the stillness that's already developing in the hall and how much it's shifted since the first night. I don't know if you're aware of it, but we can really feel that. And you're now at the end of your second full day, 48 hours, you know, who's counting, but it may feel like a very long time or it may feel like a very short time that you've been here. I remember when my son, Sky was about six years old, he said to me, time is a funny thing. He said, take five minutes. feels like a very short time when you're eating an ice cream cone and a very long time when your hair is on fire. So I don't know which your experience is, you know, maybe a little of both, but time changes when we're in this space. So this evening I'm going to be talking a little bit about something that Philip mentioned in his talk last night, which is the elemental nature of the body, this uh, aspect of practice where we come into contact with our bodies in this different way. So in our practice, uh, as we've been doing it over the past couple of days, we've been doing all these different forms. We've been doing sitting and walking and qigong and eating, standing, lying down, sometimes in movement, sometimes in stillness. And all of these forms have been cultivating our ability to drop deeper and deeper in and sense life as it moves through us. Sometimes these outer forms are apparently very still, and sometimes these outer forms have a lot of movement to them. But there's this paradox as we start to drop deeper in that sometimes you may have found that in the heart of the movement, you're very, very still inside. You have these still, still moments at the heart of your qigong, even though the body is really moving. And then sometimes when you're sitting still, you're tuned in to the way the body is constantly in motion on the inside, the movement of the blood, the movement of the heart, the lungs, the breath. So these outer forms of stillness and movement are really just the outer shell. And then inside there's this river of aliveness that Pascal mentioned. And all these different ways of getting in touch with that. So this looking at the body in terms of its elemental nature is just one of the traditional ways of contacting that inner flow of stillness and movement. And it's a traditional practice, but I'm going to begin this evening um, in setting this exploration up with a non-traditional story. This is a, a storybook that was my son's, one of my son's absolute favorites when he was about five years old. It was one of his bedtime stories. Uh, and it's called Born with a Bang, The Universe Tells Our Cosmic Story. It's the story of the universe um, and the origins of the universe, the development of the universe, told first person from the point of view of the universe. And it's a wonderful book. I'm not going to read the whole thing because you're not in your jammies. But... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of excerpts from it. It's, it's part one of a series. The next one's called From Lava to Life and finished with Mammals Who Morph. 
But this is the beginning of Born with a Bang. I'll give you a little bit of the condensed version. Once you were a tiny speck buried deep in the dark inside your mother. But you couldn't stay small. You grew and grew until one day you were ready to leave the darkness. On that very special day, your birthday, you were born into the light. Do you want to see the pictures? Uh, Quite wonderful pictures. I, too, had a special day when I was born. But there was no light for me to be born into. I am the universe, and you were inside me from the very beginning, but not in your human form. Like you, I started as a tiny speck. But like you, I couldn't stay small. I was bursting with wild and dazzling dreams of galaxies, stars, and planets in radiant colors, bright yellow, molten red, piercing blue. In my dreams, I saw strange creatures, fish cruising deep blue seas, insects alighting on flowers, reptiles basking on hot rocks in the sun, birds swooping down on their prey, And I saw you, too, gazing at stars. Then I suddenly realized I could be the things in my dreams. I could explode in a giant star, grow green in a thin blade of grass, roar as a lion and purr as a kitten, feel feelings like love, sadness, and wonder. I burst into a grapefruit-sized fireball. Fireball. In a flash, space exploded inside me with unimaginable power. Suddenly, gigantic glowing bolts of energy flashed everywhere and shrank into teeny things. I had done something incredible. I had turned energy into the very first tiny particles. Particles are the invisible bits of stuff that everything is made of. So maybe I could turn myself into stars and grass and lions and kittens and tulips and boulders. Maybe I could be you, too. We'll read more later. (laughs) So why am I telling you this story? What does this have to do with our practice here? I'm telling you this story because all of the world's great spiritual traditions have these stories about what we're made of, how we came to be who we are, and and how we tap into this mystery, what our place is in the big picture. And there are all of these different stories and ways of connecting that help us feel at home in this world. So many ancient cultures, including the ancient Indian culture that the Buddha was raised in, had these stories or um, a map of the world that included these these elemental energies or um, aspects of existence out of which everything was made. And this is very common in ancient cultures and they break it up a little bit differently. In the time of the Buddha, these energies were um, referred to as earth, wind, water, and fire. And each of these energies had different characteristics or qualities by which it could be known or felt. So there was the solidity and the density, the firmness of the earth, the constant movement of the wind, the heat of the fire, 
and then the fluidity of water and the way it binds things together. So in modern times, we have a little bit different view of these um, elements as they're referred to. And we actually refer to you know, over a hundred elements that make up the world as we know it, all of them made from these particles which are spoken of in this book, Born with a Bang, these tiny little, um, the, the smallest building blocks of matter. But although we have a somewhat different mapping, there's a way in which we can tap into still these great elemental qualities of earth and air and wind and fire as something that we can experience directly. They can speak to us as things that, uh, that we can contact in our lives, in our practice, in our bodies, and in the external world. And these energies are things that we can, they're, they're very experiential. And so it may be easier for us to access, you know, we could lead you in a meditation on, you know, molybdenum, chromium, zinc, you know, our elements. Um, you know, that, I don't know if you know that Tom Lair song, there's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium. It goes on like that. Those elements may not be quite so useful to us. But the sense of these elemental energies that we can experience, which are actually made of all of these particles, can be useful to us in our practice. We can feel them inside our bodies, and we can also feel them outside our bodies, in the warmth of the sun on our skin as we walk. We can feel them in the wind blowing through the trees or the stream that's sparkling by. And we can come to know them in a way that helps us realize that there is no inside and outside, that what appears to be outside us is also inside us. So this is actually a traditional practice that was recommended by the Buddha in the Satipatthana Sutta, the sutta that Philip spoke of last night, on the four ways of establishing our mindfulness. And the sutta says... In whatever position her body happens to be in, the practitioner passes in review the elements which constitute the body. In this body is the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. As a skilled butcher or apprentice butcher, having killed a cow, might sit at the crossroads to divide the cow into many parts, the practitioner passes in review the elements which comprise his very own body, Here in this body are the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. So the Buddha, as he often did, used this very earthy image that was very familiar to the people of those times, the butcher cutting up the cow. And again referred to this framework of the elements, which was very common at that time, this understanding that this is what we're made of. So tuning our attention this way can be a real help to us in our practice. And so what I'm going to do this evening is talk about four ways that this contemplation of the elements can help us. And then also guide you through, so it's not all just talking, some experiential exploration of each of these four. So the first way that this meditation on these elements can help is as a way of focusing our attention, a way of guiding ourselves into our body and sensing it from the inside out. We're used to thinking of our body 
as a collection of parts, of pieces. You know, we think this is the leg, this is the hand, this is the arm, you know, this is my head. And then we have all these opinions about these pieces largely based on how they appear. So, you know, I like my legs, I don't like my legs. Uh, I like my hair, I don't like my hair. This body is too large or it's too small. This body is too old or it's too young. We have all of these ways of judging our experience and often judging it harshly when we start to break it up in that way. I read a study that said 90% of Americans are dissatisfied with their bodies. And there was one women's magazine that did a survey and discovered that on average their readership worried about the way their body looked every 15 minutes. I have a vivid memory of myself as a teenager when I was about 14, sitting and studying my face in the mirror. And I was going through, I was trying to decide if I was pretty or not. This seemed very important. And I went through like part by part and there was something wrong with everything. You know, I was like, my nose has this bump on it and then I've got freckles and then there are these, you know, circles under my eye, every single part, except I decided I liked my chin. My chin was fine, you know, it was really, it was nice, you know, had a kind of a dimple in it. It was like, I felt really good about my chin. And then about two days later, I got this huge pimple on my chin. (laughs) And I was like, I'm ruined, you know, that's it. So that's the way we're conditioned to observe ourselves. But this tuning into the elements is a very different way of experiencing ourselves. It feels much less personal. Oh, here is what earth feels like. Here is what water feels like. Here's what air or wind feels like. What did I leave out? Air, earth, water, fire. Here's what fire feels like. Um, It's not so personal and it focuses our attention on these different qualities. So rather than talk any more about that, I'm going to just lead you in a little bit of a meditation um, so you can experience this for yourself. So just find a comfortable seat. We won't be here long, so you don't have to get your whole campsite set up necessarily. But (laughs) you can just, however you are, kind of close your eyes. Just turn your attention in as you've been doing. And just feel into the support of the earth beneath you. The sense that you are sitting on the earth. And as you feel this vast presence of the earth beneath you, just begin to feel into the parts of your body that feel the most like the earth. Of course, our whole body is made of the elements of the earth as the story just told us. But just feel experientially into the parts that feel most like the ground beneath you or like the rocks and the mountains. And the places that may be dense and hard. You can run your tongue over your teeth. Or maybe you can put the tips of your fingers together and feel your fingernails. You can sense into your skeleton, the bones of your skull, the rib cage, the big heavy bone of the pelvis. 
the spine and the arms and legs. And you can feel the pull of gravity through your bones. Your weight, your density. Gravity, the gravitational field of the earth pulling your earth element back to it. And maybe besides your bones, there are other places in your body that have this quality of hardness or firmness, weight. Maybe the pressure of your sitting bones on the chair or maybe a knot in your muscles that feels solid. And you can also open to the opposite sensation, the parts that feel soft and malleable, maybe more like a plowed field. Just inquiring in, how does the earth element make itself known to you? And you can feel that these materials of your body are the materials of the earth. That the same iron that streaks the rocks red is running in your blood. You can sense that the calcium in your teeth, in your bones, is a mineral of the earth that was forged in an ancient star. Feeling into that earth quality. How does it manifest to you? Then you can open your eyes. Just reflect on what you noticed, you know, what those qualities were that let you know that earth quality. And traditionally, in this exploration, in the Vipassana tradition, mindfulness of the earth element is used, it's associated with these qualities of hardness, firmness, solidity, density. But it's also important, I think, not to impose a, um, an external system on your own experience. So you can really open to, well, what How does that make itself known to me? What parts of my body do I feel that in? What feels, what connects me to that energy? And then it's also very useful then to connect with that energy, not just internally, but externally. Where do you feel that solidity of the earth as you move through the world? So important for us to stay connected to this sense of the earth. And it's so missing in this culture. I read a New York Times article recently. It says, the average young American now spends practically every waking minute, it's talking about teenagers, except for the time in school, using a smartphone, computer, television, or other electronic device. Those aged 8 to 18 spend more than seven and a half hours with such devices. And because so many are multitasking, say surfing the internet while listening to music, they pack on average nearly 11 hours of media content into that seven and a half hours. 
So this is the world that we're growing up in. This is the world that we as adults are also more and more immersed in. And it's very different from anything that our species has felt in terms of its relationship to the earth over the whole history of our evolution. We're designed, we're built to be in contact with the earth. And this is a whole experiment that we don't know the consequences of. So it's so important when you're connecting with this earth element, um, you're doing yourself and the world a real service. And to just go out and feel it, not just inside, but place your feet on the earth. Maybe even take off your shoes, connect with that earth energy as it comes up through your feet. Feel yourself as part of the earth and get this visceral sense of belonging. And this grounding and connecting into the earth can also be a way of balancing out some of the energies that may get imbalanced and that we can tune into in our practice. So if you're feeling, for instance, in your practice, a lot of restlessness, a lot of agitation, very common energy that can move through us, um, restlessness, anxiety, that kind of buzz might come through in a wave. It can be very skillful to connect with that feeling of the earth element, ground down. In your sitting, you can feel the hardness and density in your body, the sense of gravity. In the qigong, those downward movements that Marcy has been leading us in, that connecting down, rooting through the soles of the feet. In the walking meditation, connecting to the sensation of the earth beneath your feet. Thich Nhat Hanh says, walk as if you're caressing the earth with every step. So that can be a useful way of counterbalancing the, um, the agitated energy that can come into our minds. Which brings me to the second way that this contemplation of the earth element can be helpful for us, which is exactly at that. Working with these energies can help us balance our energy. You're feeling restless, connect down into the earth. If you're feeling more sluggish, more sleepy, that energy of wind, of breath, associated with movement, can begin to waken you up, enliven you. If the mind is spacing out a little bit, connecting with the heat, the fire, that intensity, that passion. If we're feeling fragmented, connecting with the liquidity, the fluidity, of water, which has this quality of bringing things together. And we'll explore each of these as we move through this talk. So for now, I think we'll move into an exploration of the air element, the wind element. And you can stay seated if you'd like, but I'd also invite you, if you feel like it, to stand up for this exploration. Coming upright. I'm going to stand up here because I realize I'm, I'm tethered down. Just come into standing, the standing meditation posture. You can close your eyes if you'd like, or if it is easier while you're standing, you can keep the eyes open, gaze soft. And as you've been doing today, just connect with the movement of your breath, this movement of the wind and the air flowing in and out of the body. And when we breathe, the air itself is moving in and out of the lungs, but 
the movement of breath can be sensed anywhere in your body. So just noticing where do you feel this breath moving? Maybe at the nostrils, in the rib cage or belly. Maybe you feel it in your feet. Maybe it ripples all the way up to the bones of the skull. A sense of movement, breath and movement. And then just as Marcy was doing, if you were in the Qigong today, let the arms begin to move on this wave of, of breath. And as Marcy guided us, let the breath time the movement. Let the breath move the body rather than the body control the breath. So maybe there's an expanding and an opening out of the arms on the inhale and a floating down on the exhale. Maybe it's a little movement or maybe it's big. And just in a very freeform way, just let this start to move through you. It doesn't have to look any way at all. You're just connecting breath and movement, feeling movement in the body, letting it flow. No right way, no wrong way. As big or as small as you want it to be. And as you feel this breath move through, can you sense that this is the same breath that's blowing through the trees outside, the same wind that comes blowing from the ocean across the valley, rustling the grass, rustling through your bones, your muscles. You're breathing along with the trees. You're breathing along with the animals. The breath is inside you and outside you. No separation. And you can sense it as movement. And then gradually just letting that movement start to subside. Those big movements. But just noticing how the breath still moves in the body. The wind still blows through you. Every cell in the body constantly breathing, blood flowing, movement. And then just come back down to sitting. So that wind element, we have lots of opportunities to notice that through the day. We breathe 960 breaths an hour, an average of 23,040 breaths a day, in case you've been wondering. Eight million plus a year. So that's lots of opportunity to feel, to connect with the wind with the air, with the breath of life. And traditionally, again, in in the Vipassana tradition, the meditation tradition that we're practicing in, 
the wind element refers not just to the physical breath, but to any quality of movement that you notice in the body. Whether you're in stillness or in the qigong or in the walking, when you're tuning into this quality of movement, you're noticing the wind element. But again, to notice it externally as well. Notice the air on the face. Notice the movement of the breath and the wind. I call it the breath because it does seem like the breath of the earth, doesn't it? The sense that it's the earth breathing. So you can notice when you're out walking that the earth is breathing. This is a poem by Lisa Lowitz from a book called Yoga Poems. It's called Six Mouth Breath. Who owns the wind? Who owns my breath? These impossible riddles haunt me. Turning into the wind, the wind turns into me. Those possible answers keep me breathing. So that poem leads me into the third way that connecting with the elements can ground us, um, can help us in our practice. And that's in that meditating on these elements can break up the illusion that the body, that the self, is this separate, solid, permanent entity, that it belongs to us and that it's under our control. We start to see that all of us, all of what we think is so solid, is made up of these elements that are constantly changing in ways that are largely outside of our control. And we can surrender into that, and that brings a kind of relief. There's a story in the suttas of uh, the Buddha giving the teachings, some teachings on the elements to his son, Rahula. And if you're familiar with the story of the Buddha's life, you may remember that the Buddha was born as a prince in a royal family and then left to become a wandering seeker, a yogi, looking for truth. And when he left, he had a young son. And as soon as his son was old enough, his son came and joined the Buddha's... Uh, by then, the Buddha was head of, uh, of a great community of seekers. And the Buddha's son came and joined as a monastic. So there's a story of the Buddha going out for an alms round and his son following along behind him. And as they were walking, his son began to speculate. His son was 18 at the time. And he began to speculate on how his life might be different if his father had never left the palace. And he was thinking, hmm, you know, if my dad were an emperor, I might be a prince. And, uh, you know, dude, that would be seriously awesome. That's a, a loose translation from the Pali. So he was, he was thinking about this, and the problem with having the Buddha as a dad is the Buddha is a mind reader. And so the Buddha turned around and immediately said to, the, to Rahula that this wasn't the correct way of thinking about things. Um, he explained to Rahula that, that none of these, um, that our bodies, our thoughts, our, everything that we take to be us, in these exact words, this is a closer closer translation from the Pali. This is not mine. This is not what I am. This is not myself. This is true for everything that we think of as ours. So Rahula immediately sat down, being a kind of unusual son, immediately sat down to contemplate this and meditate on this. And when the Buddha came back later, the Buddha gave Rahula some teachings, further teachings on the interconnected nature of all of life. 
And he finished up by saying, Rahula, learn from the earth. Whether people spread pure and fragrant flowers, perfume, or fresh milk on it, or discard filthy and foul-smelling feces, urine, blood, mucus, and spit on it, the earth receives it all equally without clinging or aversion. Learn from the water, Rahula. When people wash dirty things in it, the water is not sad or disdainful. Learn from fire. Fire burns all things without discrimination. It is not ashamed to burn impure substances. Learn from the air. The air carries all fragrances, whether sweet or foul. So here the Buddha is pointing out and really using nature as a teacher and showing that how when we open to our nature, our elemental nature is made up of all of these different elements, we can then learn from the nature of the elements. We can receive these teachings of these energies which are aspects of ourself. So I'm going to lead you into another meditation now, which is the meditation on water. So just close your eyes again for a moment. Tuning in. Turning your attention inward. And just feel all the places in your body that might be moist. Maybe the moisture of your eyes or the inside of your mouth. The moisture of the inside of the nose or Maybe some dampness in the palms of the hands, armpits. And opening to a sense of all the fluids in your body, the flow of the blood and the lymph, the cerebrospinal fluid, the fluid weight of your organs. And then just begin to express that quality of fluidity moving from the literal moisture into the fluidity of it, by just finding a part of your body and letting it begin to move. might be just a finger or a hand or a shoulder. Really allowing some movement here. And then let that movement flow to somewhere nearby. Maybe flowing from the hand into the wrist or the elbow. Flowing up into the shoulder. And let your body really begin to flow. This is the body retreat. We're allowed to do this in the Dharma talk. We're allowed to let this fluidity move through, spread. And as it flows and moves... You can sense that there's the same fluidity in you as there is in the streams that run across the land, that's in the rain that falls. That you're one with this earth's water. The composition of your tears is the same as seawater. The water that you drink becomes part of your cells. 
letting that movement subside. And again, just opening your eyes. So this brings me to the last way that this meditation on the elements can help us, which is related to the previous way. That in knowing that we aren't a solid self, we also sense that we're interconnected with everything. We don't have to feel lonely or isolated. We're intimately connected with everything else in the universe. This is from Thich Nhat Hanh. He says, when the practitioner looks deeply in order to see the water in his body, not only does she see the liquid permeating nature of the blood, sweat, saliva, tears, and urine, but also the water element in every cell of her body. There are clouds in the body because without clouds there can be no rain and we will not have any water to drink. We can see that the sun is our second heart, a heart which lies outside our body but which is essential for our body as the heart inside our body. When the heart inside the body ceases to function, we know very well that we will die. But we often forget that if the heart outside our body, the sun, ceases to function, we will also die immediately. So the practitioner sees that her life is not just present in her own body, and she transcends the view that she is just her body. This practice helps us go beyond such limiting concepts as birth and death. So again, just close your eyes. Feel in. And maybe from the movement more active practices that we've been doing. Maybe you notice some warmth, some heat in your body. Maybe some warmth in the room around you and emanating from the other bodies. You can sense the warmth of your blood. Or if you breathe on your hand, you can feel that quality of heat fire element. And so as you feel this warmth or coolness in your body, can you sense that this is not just your personal warmth, that it's the stored energy of the sun? Can you feel that the warmth in you and around you is the same. And from this connection to the warmth, to the fire, again, just touching on these other elements, feeling the quality of warmth or coolness, the liquid fluidity quality of the water, Can you sense the movement of the breath and the solidity of the earth beneath you?
Can you sense that you are made of the same stuff of the universe? Can you know this directly? You can keep your eyes shut if you'd like, or you can open them. I'm going to read the end of the story. Everything within me is giving and receiving. This is the universe speaking again. And when things team up with each other, they morph into even more spectacular forms. Particles create hydrogen by sticking together. Hydrogen clouds compress themselves into stars, and stars gather in gleaming galaxies. You might say that I, the universe, am loving myself through everything that is playing and working together, even the tiny particles teaming up to form you. Until we talk again, I send you my very best from the cosmos. Remember, I am always with you. My sweet earthling, I will tell you a secret. I'm even closer to you than that. It's true, I am you. Love the universe. So let's just sit for a moment. This is a poem from Thich Nhat Hanh. He's speaking to a caterpillar. Being rock, being gas, being mist, being mind, being the mesons traveling among the galaxies at the speed of light, you have come here, my beloved, and your eyes shine so beautiful, so deep. You have taken the path traced for you from the non-beginning and the never-ending. You have used your own body to measure the age of the mountains and rivers. You have manifested yourself as trees, grass, butterflies, single-celled beings, and chrysanthemums. But the eyes with which you look at me this morning tell me that you have never died.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.